0: This is Michael Merrickle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. You can catch the show live weekdays from 3 o'clock until 4,
1: locally in Tampa Bay on AM 570 and 910 WTBN and online at letstalkfaith.com and iheartradio.com. And swing by our website for all things I Work For Him at iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com. And now, today's podcast broadcast.
0: You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks so much for tuning in to I Work For Him today, right here on the radio in Tampa Bay, but across the world on iHeartRadio, Let's Talk Red Nation Rising, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, however you're listening to us today. Just know, before the show, Martha and I prayed that something we say today will cause you to dig deeper into your faith, just cause you to stop and say, hmm, wow. That's part of my faith. That's part of following Jesus. So here's a question, because this is so important to all of us. How do we create a safe place for your friends to ask questions for God, about God? How, how do you know, how do you even know the questions that you should ask in order to generate great conversations? How intimidating is it for you, just like it is for me, to start those conversations? You're always looking for an open door, but how, how, how do you get it even started? Is there an art to prompting spiritual conversations? Is there a way to learn all this and build in intentionality into our daily routines? Well, you know, just like I know, today's your lucky day. Today we're going to be talking with Jeff Klein from QPlace, QPlace.com, and we're going to learn about the nine arts of spiritual conversations and how you can start a Q Place conversation group in your neighborhood around the corner. Jeff Klein, welcome to I Work for Him. Thanks, Jim. Good to be with you again. Yeah, it is so awesome to have you back, and and I so enjoyed reading this this, this book written by the founders of Q Place. But I know that you know I, I thought because you're so in in tune with what's going on with this, I wanted you and I to have a conversation because I want this to be a conversation that really digs deep. And how do we get this done? How do we put this into place? What are we going to do? What is Q Place all about? How can Q Place help me? All those things, but. Sure. Before we get to that, I want to know, how how did you become passionate about engaging people in conversations about spiritual things? Where did that come from?
1: Well, it started for me when I was a youth pastor years ago. I'm pretty old now, but back in the days, a youth pastor, I was thrust into a youth group full of students. And especially, as I got to know my young life buddies in town. and started going to the local high school, hanging out at lunchtime in the local high school. And there I met a bunch of kids who didn't know Jesus, and they started coming to my youth group. And I thought to myself, how in the world am I going to get kids who have never heard this Jesus thing or have never been to church, don't know the secret handshake, don't know the secret songs, don't need the secret sauce? How am I going to get them to actually engage in these kind of conversations? And so that's when I really became passionate about engaging people that believe differently in spiritual conversations.
0: Well, it's a big deal, too, isn't it? I mean, it's... It's an as you as the book says, the nine arts of spiritual conversations, but for you, I mean, how much stumbling was there before you got it right? Oh, there was there was a ton of stumbling. I, I actually remember my first youth group meeting,
1: one of the kids that I really worked on getting there, within the first ten minutes I turned him off and he didn't come back for six months. <laughs> so I felt like a big failure as a youth pastor. I'm like, Holy cow, I've already turned off a kid in my first ten minutes of youth ministry. And uh, I think a lot of us don't want to try to engage because we're so afraid to fail. But you won't learn how to engage unless you try to engage and kind of step out and go. So you have to step out in faith and go and know that God's got it. You know, he's got your—he's going to help you
0: along. Well, I think one of the biggest things, Jeff, as we talk about Q Place, we talk about the Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversation, is that— the, the world desperately needs for these conversations to happen, and, and most of us have been pounded for the last 50-plus years, however old you are. We've been pounded for 50 years. Hey, the marketplace, the neighborhood, there's no place for you to have spiritual conversations about Christianity. Keep your faith to yourself. Shut up. We don't want to hear about it. That's what we've been told, but it's not true. Our The neighbors, our friends, they desperately want to have these conversations, but they don't even know how to ask the questions. Yeah, some of the... The narrative actually, if we really want to be honest, has come from the Church. The
1: Church has actually taught people all these crazy things about non-Christians, and we've kind of made them into these, like, villains who are out there laying in the weeds to jump on us as soon as we bring up any spiritual, uh, you know, matters. And uh, my finding is that most of my neighbors, they're just like me. They uh, they want to get their families to work. They want to have jobs that give them purpose. They want to pay their bills. They want to have a healthy and good life and a happy life. And they're just trying to figure that out. And no one really gives them permission to ask questions because we're not really into questions. We're more into presentations and having all the answers. And so we really don't converse with people. We don't try to engage them in a conversation. So we believe it's better to, instead of a gospel presentation these days especially, Want not enter into a conversation and try to understand what your neighbor believes before you tell them what you believe?
0: Well, and we're going to talk a lot about that approach today, but let's just start off with your story. How did you become a Christ follower?
1: Well, um, I, re- I remember the day. It was actually, I was about 12 years old, sitting in an evening service at my church, and my pastor was preaching on this, the, the passage in Revelation, uh, Jesus standing at the door, knocking on the door of my heart and wanting to come in. And I went home and told my parents that after the service that I wanted that Jesus to come in. So my parents helped me to figure that out. Uh, they sent me back to the pastor, actually, which is what we do, right? Even my parents weren't sure what to do with their own kids who wanted to take this Jesus. And so they sent me back to the pastor, which is hilarious because you know, that's kind of our deal, right? We send people back to the pastor to get the answers instead of knowing about how to how to lead people along ourselves, which is interesting.
0: <laughs> well, but that's part of the, what I work for him is all about because each one of us needs to be equipped. You know, it talks about w- w- the, the pastors are there for the equipping of the saints, but we need to help our pastors understand how we need to be equipped because for years, that's the way the church operated. Well, the pastor did all the spiritual things and the rest of us just raised money so the pastor could do all the spiritual things. Yet we understand now that didn't work. Uh, we didn't impact the culture the way we needed to because we didn't reach out. We, all of us that are going to church, need to be able to impact the culture where we go when we leave the church. And, and so exactly. it's it's part of that. That's what Q Place is all about, isn't it?
1: It is. I mean we we know that that you know people live, work, and play in places where their pastor will never go. They're going to meet people. Everyone's going to meet people every week. Their pastor will never meet. And so you have to ask yourself as a Christian. Has God placed me in my neighborhood with my neighbors for a reason that's bigger than just me living there and kind of having my nice little life? Or has God placed me in my workplace, in my cubicle, in my office, surrounded by the work co-workers I'm surrounded by for a reason? Is there a purpose for that? Am I supposed to get to know these people? Am I supposed to be the only light and salt they're going to see all week long, uh, or the only Jesus they're going to see? Am I supposed to be the presence of Christ where I live, work, and play? And I, we think we think that we're all supposed to do that. And you're right, unfortunately, we've kind of created this church program where it's like, you invite your friends to church, and the pastor will lead them to Jesus. Well, that doesn't work anymore, because people aren't coming to church like they used to.
0: Well, and and I think when you you look at it, they're not. I mean, they're not coming to church, and we do need to be better equipped. But what's cool is that people—I think people today are as ripe as ever— in wanting to uh, seek out spiritual things because they don't they're not hearing it at school they're not hearing it at church because they're not going to church but yet a lot of them live in a state of despair they they live in a, a place of no hope and and we all work alongside people that desperately need to hear that truth so being equipped to be able to have conversations is one of those great things. Earlier this week, I got a chance to interview Lee Strobel here on the line, uh, on the air talking about the case for Christ. A lot of yep. us think that we need to have his 300 page book memorized in order to be able to have conversations with people. Most people don't need to have the case for Christ stated for them in order to put their faith in him. They're looking for a heavenly father who loves them, who wants to forgive them and give them a second chance. Exactly. And, most people have tons of questions,
1: but they know that if they go to church, they're going to hear a monologue, and they're not going to get their questions answered, and they're not going to feel safe asking those questions because they feel kind of dumb asking those questions because they feel like they should probably know the answer. And so most people sit around with these questions, and no one actually gives them an opening or a safe, a safe place to ask those questions. And so they just keep them inside and go through life, and they search for answers when they can here and there. If, wouldn't it be cool if we Christians became the ones who could help them engage their questions and discuss
0: their questions that they have? Well, uh, and just knowing that they people could ask us anything and we wouldn't be offended and we wouldn't get they, defensive, yeah. but that's exactly. Just, but that's part of conversation. That's part of just the equipping. How cool would a church service be where we broke up into groups of two, and one person had a script where they just asked questions, another person practiced answering questions. Uh, I, or maybe a small group where all you did was ask questions and learn to ask a good question. Oh, you know, kind of like a, a Q place. A place. Yeah. yeah. When we come back, Jeff, I really want to dig deep in what is Q Place all about? And then I want to really dig deep into the nine arts of spiritual conversations. I really want people to know there's a solution out for him, out there for them, and there's a place to go to start a Q Place group, a Q, a place where people can ask questions and that's why we're highlighting the ministry of qplace.com today qplace.com qplace.com we've got jeff klein on here and he's from QPlace. jeff what is your official title at q place i forgot to write it down
1: that's okay i'm the national church partnership director so my job is to try to partner with churches to help them to build out these kind of Q Place groups within their church communities and get their people mobilized and
0: going. So, so talk about talk about what these Q Place groups are all about. I mean, because I, we've got pastors listening, we got people that are going to church listening, and they're like, "Tell me about this. I'm curious. What's it all about?"
1: Yeah. So, really, a Q Place group. Uh, we like to start them with three Christians who go together. They band together and they they make a list of names of people in their community where they live, work, or play that they might want to invite to a Q Place. A Q Place is a group where we gather together to self-discover truth. It's a safe place where you can ask questions. We believe the Spirit of God will be there. And our ultimate goal is to get people into the Scripture to read the Bible together with us. But we don't start there because a lot of non-Christians aren't ready to start by reading the Bible. So we start with a question the first week we meet. We ask this question, if you could ask God one question, if you believe there was a God and could ask Him one question, what would you ask Him? And every Q Place I've been a part of, um, everyone's got a question for God, whether they say they're atheists, Buddhists, Muslims, doesn't matter. They all have questions for God. And we write those down and we, and we start talking about those questions they have for God.
0: So, what, t- talk about it look like. Um, okay, so here's a question I would ask God. I'm just putting myself in this position and I'm not a yeah. Christ follower. I want to know how come there's so much pain and suffering in the world? Yeah. Know, if God's a so, loving God, why is there so many people suffering?
1: Yeah, so we throw that question on the table and we start to brainstorm together. we say, okay, let's talk about this question. You know, and let's let's discuss it together. What do you think? And we ask them. And we start to listen to their ideas, and we dig into those ideas. We get curious about their ideas. It's amazing how many people have formed beliefs at some point in their life. And if you can ask a question like, so how did you come to believe that about, you know, evil or suffering? How did you come to believe that about how God works? And it's amazing. They can take you back to places where in their life things happen. So my first Q place, uh, it was amazing. The first night we asked that question— the last guy that spoke, superintendent of schools, Ph.D., he says, yeah, I have a question. I wonder if God's sending me signs that I'm missing. I said, really? And then he said, uh, yeah. I said, so I said, how did how'd you come to that question, Dan? He goes, well, I got to tell you a little story first. When I was a teacher, a young teacher, used to play basketball on Friday afternoons with my other teacher friends. And one of my friends, 43-year-old guy, Bob, died of a heart attack on the court. Really sad. Mm. He said a couple weeks later. I got a really bad pain in my side and it wouldn't go away. And my wife was a nurse. Worst thing having a wife is a nurse. She's saying you're 22, take some pills. You're fine. You know, and he said, two weeks later, I woke up. Now this might sound crazy. This is what he said. Woke up. My friend, Bob, the one who died of a heart attack was over my bed, telling me to get up and drive myself to the hospital. So I did. And I had a massive blood clot in my abdomen. He said, I believe that night God sent me a sign to save my life. The question is, what other signs is God sending me that I'm missing? Now, this is a non-Christian guy. I've coached baseball with him. He's a PhD. He's a superintendent of schools, and this is his spiritual question. And he's never asked it to anybody before. That night we met.
0: Wow, that what a layup!
1: I mean, you, I mean, you could have you
0: yeah. could have had a gift wrap for you, maybe a little easier. But wow, that's yeah. Pretty, yeah. that's pretty that's cool. A-
1: and it's crazy, and so the next week, we actually threw his question on the table. We said to the guys, like, hey, let's talk about this next week. Are you guys up for that? Yeah, okay. And guys came back, all these guys. We had eight guys in the group, all non-Christians, and they all came back with stories about things in their life, encounters in their life that seemed to be unexplainable. They wouldn't call them God, but they knew they were beyond explanation, beyond rational scientific explanation. Every, so
0: everybody, everybody did? Everybody brought something back everybody. to this group.
1: All eight guys had stories about times in their life when they couldn't explain is either these encounters they had had or they had had these kind of what they would call fate. Things just worked out seemingly crazily. It was it was unbelievable. And so that was the next week's discussion. We just kept building from there. So well, it's... You
0: well, know, I, I want to stop. I gotta, I gotta stop there for a second. Okay, because so many people... Another one of the questions people will ask is like, okay, how come it's not fair? Why is it... In fact, I had a a listener ask me to ask uh, Lee Strobel the question on Tuesday when we had him on the air. He he said, how is it fair? What if I've got friends that were born to Muslim parents or born to Buddhist parents or born to Hindu parents? It's not fair. They're not going to know about Jesus, but yet they're going to be held accountable for knowing Jesus. And what you just said, you had eight random guys. All of them yep. non Christians, and God had reached out to every one of them through unusual, unexplainable circumstances to get their attention.
1: Yeah, I mean it was unbelievable. And so, again, if you had a question like that come up that you're talking about, it, that's a very difficult question, right? It's a hard question to answer. So what we do is we throw it back to the group. Now we would be we'd be careful. You have to understand a Q place. Q place isn't just random questions being thrown out. We take all everyone's questions down. And then as the triad, the, the, the Christians, we come together in, the, in between the group and we say, okay, what's the first question we should talk about? So we would typically not jump to the one you just said, about <laughs> Muslims and not being fair and all that stuff. We wouldn't start there. We'd start with the low-hanging fruit question. That would be a little more, you know, easier to talk about to start out. So you, you are leading a discu- discussion on, and you're asking questions, but you are leading the group and you're taking them on a journey.
0: And there's a plan for all this. People can get material for this off your website, right? I mean, this is something you guys can help supply, correct? That's
1: exactly right. In fact, we now have gone as far to create
0: a free online
1: coaching to start one of these groups. In fact, it's kind of crazy, but this next week, next week I believe we're starting a brand new set of coaching groups. And so you can go on our website, QPlace.com. You can click on I Wanted to Be Coached and How to Start a QPlace, and you can join an online group with people all over the country – We're trying to learn how to start these groups, and we will coach you for seven weeks and walk you through all the steps that you need to kind of know to kind of enter into this
0: this kind of a group. All right, we're talking today with Jeff Klein from Q Place. Check them out online at QPlace.com. If you really want to know how to engage your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers in conversations in a group that's non-threatening, this is the place to go, qplace.com. John, how different is your approach than maybe the Alpha approach? Because we've had people from Alpha USA on the air talking, about, again, about groups, giving people an opportunity to be in a group that's non-confrontational, give people a chance to ask questions that, in a regular church setting, they would feel embarrassed to ask. How, how is yours different than what Alpha's doing?
1: Yeah, uh, we love Alpha, and we, we're, we partner with Alpha all the time. And what Alpha does is they basically give you content and kind of a curriculum to follow for 10 weeks. And so, you know, you invite people to the group, and you sit in a circle with a book on your lap and watch some videos. And so it's much more deductive in terms of there's a little bit of teaching or, in, or input, and then you discuss that input. It's still a safe place. Right. Um, I think that that kind of a group reaches people that are a little closer Maybe or maybe that I, you know, kind of experienced a little church.
0: Yeah, because they're the coming to church work, to go. I mean, they, they have to actually walk yeah. through the doors in order to be able to go to Alpha. Correct.
1: Exactly. This, these groups happen in where you live, work, and play. They happen at bars. They happen at coffee shops. They happen in people's homes. They happen at work. Wait places. a minute. Wait wait wait, wait. 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 Wait.
0: Wait. Wait. minute, You just said they yeah. happen in bars. Wait a minute. You're talking. Yeah, they, they, you're having a spiritual they, conversation in a bar. Yeah, what, a, yeah, what? wait a minute are you gonna get me thrown off the air i'm just kidding i, know, I don't care I, know,
1: I can't i'm sorry I mean, this is radical stuff i mean we 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 have a group in we, seattle called wait, you, know what, the you know what
0: kind of people are in bars
1: i know and, and you know what's interesting jesus actually hung out on purpose where lost people were Whew. to engage them to be the light in the world right and he said he came to seek and to save the lost and too many christians we've We've got this weird idea that like if we walk into a bar we're going to get contaminated. No, we're not. We're the light of Jesus. No, we we're no worried. Jesus.
0: No, we're worried that somebody from our church is going to go I saw your vehicle in the bar parking lot. What were you doing in there? That's what we're worried about.
1: Well, the Pharisees did that to Jesus when he was at Matthew's house eating with Matthew and drinking. The Pharisees were standing outside and saying, hey, what's he doing in there? What's he doing? How come he's in there?
0: How come he's hanging, he's hanging out with sinners? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I, re- I read that this morning. I'm like, yeah. I just love that. Religious people drive me crazy. Okay. But yeah, obviously, yeah. anybody listening to my show knows that I'm not religion. Nobody would ever say, gosh, Jim, you're just really religious. If they really knew the the term behind it, it kind of it depends on which term you're going to use. All right, enough about me. All right, talk about yeah. these nine arts of spiritual conversation. I want to spend the rest of the time Talk about those and how you incorporate them within a Q Place. Again, we're talking with yeah. Jeff Klein from QPlace.com. This is a resource for you. QPlace.com. QPlace.com. Repeat it after me. QPlace.com. Okay, so these nine arts of, of spiritual conversations, it's really about developing intentional skills of engagement that allow us to have these great conversations with all those around us. But some people may say, but I don't have any contact with non-Christians. Is that true? Exactly. Is that true? Very
1: true. In fact, a lot of pastors don't have contact with non-Christians. I travel the country. But but, come on. But
0: but I read the book. I read the book. It's not true. We all have contact with non-Christians, don't we? Well, well, yeah.
1: Okay, so let's let's say that. We have contact with them, but what we don't do well is build relationships with non-Christians. So even though we're in contact with them, it's different to be in contact and to build a bridge of trust that truth can walk across. You know, I learned from those Young Life guys in my first youth pastor job that I needed to earn the right to be heard. Mm-hmm. How do you earn the right to be heard? Well, you, you love people. You develop a relationship with them. You're genuinely interested in them as people, not as projects. And so we put together the Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations because we realized that Christians were really bad at just building these relationships in their neighborhoods. I mean, it's sort of an epidemic in our country, right? We live in a country that's pretty disconnected from each other. Building relationships has kind of become a lost art in general. And so we thought we need to help Christians get better at just being with their neighbors intentionally, building these kind of relationships. And and uh, we've found that when people practice these, God starts to do some crazy stuff in their
0: life. <laughs> just one at a time. And that, and this is this this idea, the idea behind having conversations, spiritual conversations in places where lost people are at, and allowing them to ask questions that. You are uncomfortable with them asking, but they need to ask because that's the questions that are on their heart. this That's what's going to turn this world upside down down I was reading a book last night and it talked about how some some farmers from Albania right after the wall fell down in Russia that some people from the states went over there to teach them how to farm with modern methods after 70 years of farming with a sickle and an axe and a, and, a yeah. and these guys were so hungry for truth but they've been told for 70 years that God's dead there's no God but when they yeah. had when they had the opportunity to have real conversations these people lit up because they realized they have a god that really applies to life every part of yep. life but people exactly got, but they got to have conversations all right as we talk today with jeff klein from q place check that pl- website out qplace.com and jeff i pulled it up a second ago while we we're off the air and and it right in the front page it says hey on april the 3rd we're starting new uh training for q place talk yep. about that yeah
1: yeah well like you said we we realize it that that we need to train people how to do this and so we are offering these online uh, trainings, and you can right from the right from the comfort of your own home, you can just get on a computer screen, join people from all over the country. So tonight, my group's meeting—the one that we started back in january uh, there will be 15, 18 people on there from all over the country, and I'll be teaching them how to do this. So um, it's a great way to learn how to make and to create one of these groups. So I'd highly recommend if you want if you're interested in this, jump on one of those trainings and be part of it.
0: And that's on April the 3rd. Go to Qplace.com. It's one of the three banners spanning across each, uh, spanning across the stage. Online Qplace coaching group starts April the 3rd, 2017. Sign up here. That's what it says. All right. So, Jeff, we've only got a little less than half of the show to go through all nine arts. And so we're going <laughs> to, we, I know. And and so that should be no problem. It took me that's like, easy. Yeah, it should be easy. It took me, you know, five or six hours to read the book. So let's yeah. just start with the art of noticing because that one is huge. Talk to me about what does this art in action look like, the art of noticing?
1: Well, noticing people is paying attention to them, and so many of us go through life not even seeing our neighbors. Most of us don't even know our neighbors' names that live right around our house. And so it's really just being intentional about paying attention. But And you're paying attention both to your neighbors and who they are. You're also paying attention to what God might be up to in your neighborhood. And so that's what noticing is about. I can tell you that when people do this, it doesn't take rocket science. My, my son Joseph, when he was eight years old, noticed that a young man at his school was new. He was from Africa, and he was coming to school in the same shorts and flip-flops every day in Chicago in February.
0: Oh, he said man. to me,
1: he came home and said, Dad, uh, this guy just came from Africa in my class, and he, he kind of wears the same clothes. I think he's kind of cold. He knew we could help him. And that led to a whole relationship with his family, and our church got involved with his family, all because my son Joseph noticed. I can tell you dozens of stories that where ministry begins with noticing. Jesus was brilliant at this. I love, One of my favorite verses in the Bible says, uh, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and he turned aside to talk with him, which led to a healing of that guy's eyes. So... This is a really crucial skill to have if you want to get on the mission of God in your community.
0: Well, what you know, we live in a society where there's some obstacles to putting this into practice, the art of noticing. What are some of those obstacles?
1: Well, we have to get our faces out of our cell phones
0: <laughs> well, no,
1: and, uh, and
0: look up. That that is got to be—I mean, when you look at the art of the enemy to destroy the gospel— yeah. Cell phones are one of those oh, enemies. I, I mean, I've that's, got a, fa- I've got a famous picture from our family two years ago at Christmas. We're all yeah. in the living room, and Martha's parents and my parents are all sitting on the couch, and they're all in their eighties, and they're all looking at their cell phones.
1: All yeah, out, in their eighties.
0: Yeah. I'm like, come so, on, this is so it's that, a plague.
1: That, that's a huge obstacle to noticing. You know, we just we're so busy and hurried, we're so focused on ourselves. Our faces and our cell phones so much, we don't really pick up our eyes and look around us. And if we did, we'd be surprised what's happening around us and how God has provided us with opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to enter into the lives of people and make a difference in their life. And so. That's, that's a really big deal. I think this is a great place to start noticing.
0: It, it is. It's like when we ask people to join the I Work for AM Nation, the first thing we ask them to do is just start praying. Not, not do anything crazy in the workplace, but, pr- well, the craziest thing, they start to pray for all the people they work alongside by name every day. Yep. And just watch yep. what the Lord does. That's what this art of noticing, it's really like secondary to that because when you start praying for people, then we we say look for ways to serve them, but that's what the art of noticing does. You start to see things and you're like, "Wow, yeah. there's an open door." Man, that's just exactly. Great. But but and we yeah. What I was going to say ahead, is, you, you said, it, one of the things that we talked about is that some Christians say, well, I don't know any non-Christians. And this art of noticing in the chapter, I think it was in that chapter, that it talked about the fact that people started calculating how many people they got exposed to, and, and when they started calculating, they were exposed to thousands of people when it came to the gas station attendant and the grocery store clerk and the, and the person stocking the shelves and and on, yep. and on 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 and on. We know a lot of non-Christ followers, pre-Christians as I like to call them, but we don't Think yep. about it.
1: Yeah, I go to the same Dunkin' Donuts every morning to oh. get my coffee, and I know that the one worker behind the counter, is his name is Josh. His parents are missionaries. He's left his faith behind a long time ago. I know the the Amber, the manager, is struggling like crazy, and all this came from noticing. I actually paid attention to their names, and I got to know their names. Now when I walk in, they don't look down at the register. They look up at me, and they talk to me. So we are constantly exposed to people that we can be building these relationships and that's what Jesus did as he went along I love that as he went along he's just living his life you don't have to add anything to your life you're all going places and you're meeting people all the time so just pay attention
0: and, and and even at a dunkin donuts and I'm just you you really only ever get coffee yeah I just get coffee I mean occasionally I get
1: a donut I have to confess occasionally I sneak a donut
0: oh i could not just go to dunkin D- well first i don't drink coffee but i could never go through there without getting donuts all right yeah. so so that's the art of noticing then it comes up the art of prayer now that seems a little basic we're all oh, we're christians we're supposed to be praying yeah, why yeah. is that an art well first of all
1: it's an art because you you're, we're going to ask you to do this praying behind your neighbor's backs <laughs> so we don't want you to walk up and be the weird christian saying hey i'm praying for you brother not that that's, you know, not, at some point may not happen, but right now, like you just talked about, Jim, could we make a list of the names of the people that we notice and begin to pray for them by name? And, you know, really, to be honest, a lot of Christians, when it comes to praying, we're good at praying for our illnesses and all of our infirmities, and which we should do. I'm not, don't hear me wrong. But how often do we pray by name for people that God has put in front of us? And this is what makes it an art. You know, and if we, want the, if we want to really be successful with the gospel, think about it. The enemy has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's just one of the verses that talks about what's the spiritual warfare that's going on here. So we've got to know that prayer is a big part of it.
0: Okay. All right. Hey, we got two callers today called in. So we're gonna to have to find a way to sneak another book out of you. Laureen called yeah. uh, and Rod called. Laureen called from right. St. Pete and Rod called from Hey, we uh, I lost it. was up here? Rod called Temple Terrace. So thank you guys for listening. We'll get a copy of these books out to you at Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations. And if you also want to know more about this ministry, go to QPlace.com. i got Jeff Klein on the line today. He is the National Church Partnership Director. He's the one that helps churches understand how to train and equip the members, the people that attend the church on how to start these Q Place groups. Pa- people are trained on how to go engage the culture where the culture hangs out within reason. Yep. We're not talking about going to strip joints, but a bar is a great place no. to go if you are not an alcoholic. It, a, a bar is not a good place to go find another place to go if you're an alcoholic but if yeah. you're like me and you're a mountain dewaholic, panera is not a good place to go you got to go to starbucks because there's nothing in starbucks i like to drink so that's a safe that's place right. for me panera that's is not right. a safe place for me it's not it's just not okay we're talking to jeff klein from q place jeff all right so the art of noticing the art of prayer the one that really smacked me upside the head and the lord is obviously working on my heart the art of listening
1: yes Yes, this is, this is actually my worst art, uh, Jim. I'm, I'm a speaker, so my mouth works better than my ears. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, my wife reminds me of that on a regular basis. But when you listen to people, what it says to them is that I care enough about you to look you in the eye and really pay attention to what you're saying. And that communicates hugely to people in our culture. Um, we just... We don't listen to each other. And, and we often talk about it at Q Place not listening to respond. So, a lot of Christians, we listen to respond. We listen. And our whole thing is what's going to come out of my mouth next? And how am I going to rebut this argument? Or what if we just listen to understand? And that's all we did. We just tried to understand this person's story, what they believe, where they're coming from, all that kind of stuff. Just listen to understand. That's what this art's all about.
0: Okay, but why is it better to ask great questions? And practice listening than giving people the direct answers. Why is that a better skill? Because when you ask people questions, think about
1: this in your own life, it takes away uh, their need to be defensive. When you say a statement, basically what it does is put the other person on the defensive because now they're going to sit and go, I don't know if I believe that. But when you ask a question, it takes away all the defensiveness. You can diffuse all the defensiveness and all the the emotion, by just asking a question, by being genuinely interested in what they think. It's an amazing thing to watch, and Jesus was brilliant at it. I mean, in Mark 8 alone, he asked 21 questions in one chapter of the Bible. So he was brilliant at these questions and asking these questions and letting people discover for themselves. In fact, it's amazing. People don't realize this. When God enters the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, and Adam and Eve have clearly done what they've done wrong and messed up the whole human race, you would think that God would come in and start bawling them out, but he doesn't. He asks four questions. You can check it out yourself. He says, where are you? Have you eaten from this tree I told you not to eat from? What is this you have done? And uh, there's a fourth one. But you, you can read them yourself. But it's amazing. Why would God, the all-knowing good of the universe, ask four questions? He must be trying to have something else get accomplished by those questions.
0: Well, and, and when you say that Jesus was brilliant about it. Okay, you just mentioned Mark. In, in Mark 8, there's 21 documented questions that he asked. Think yep. about that. Mark had to go ask people. Mark wasn't there. He was asking. He was doing the research to get the documentation to document Jesus' life. He had to ask people. And Jesus's questions were so powerful, they remembered the questions. I mean— yeah. That's when you call a powerful question, but it is Jesus was brilliant at it, and he demonstrated it. He didn't he didn't preach at people, although he does have the Sermon on the Mount. But he asked sure. tough questions to get people thinking for themselves, and that's yeah. really that's powerful. I was trying to figure out what the fourth question was. That that. Uh, he asked, yeah,
1: I don't my, my Bible right here. I used to have this memorized, but I couldn't think of the fourth one. But he asked some four questions. You could check it out. So
0: yeah, all right. So we've got the art of noticing, the art of prayer, the art of listening, which you and I will probably be working on. Well, I'm sure, yes. our, and our wives are going to remind us about it after the show today, for sure. Uh, so those three are super key as we look at the beginning piece. Now it's then it's the art of asking questions. That yes. where do we learn to ask those questions? Oh, that's where Q plays well, can come in. But here's, here's what I would say, too,
1: Jim, right off the bat. If you're an introvert and you're thinking, oh, man, of course you extroverts can do this stuff. Those first three arts, ex- introverts don't require you to say a word. Right. You just have to notice with your eyes, pray behind people's backs, and listen. So you haven't said anything yet. <laughs> so I'll just point that out.
0: That's a great so, point.
1: Yeah. And uh, the- now, a- asking questions we think is about being curious. Uh, again, in our culture, we've lost the, the art of just being curious. I have a friend who actually trains high-level stockbrokers to be curious. And we have actually borrowed his stuff. And we have found incredible success actually training people to practice curiosity. Um, In my workshops, I do. In six minutes, I can have people that have never met each other find something, someone, or someplace to have in common in six minutes. And that becomes an amazing skill to have. But what
0: do you mean about curiosity? Really quick, what do you mean about curiosity?
1: Well, curiosity is actually the ability to... You know, to continue to ask people questions, like to really um, be inquisitive about their lives, about their answers, about who they are, about what they think, and really digging in. You know, it's it's amazing how often someone gives us a response, and we just, you know, to a question, we just jump right in and
0: keep going. Oh, that's so true. All right, we're talking today with Jeff Klein from QPlace.com. QPlace.com. This is a place where you can go and learn, starting April the 3rd, there's new classes starting, where you can learn how to engage people in spiritual conversations in a non-threatening way. All right, Jeff, we've covered the art of noticing, the art of prayer. And again, people, we are just literally whipping through this so you get an idea what this is all about. The art of noticing, the art of prayer, the art of listening, the art of asking questions. I want to jump to the art of welcoming. Because that is something that, as Christ followers, we have really, really struggled with. What's that all about? Well, the art of welcoming,
1: obviously, it speaks for itself. It's like, you know, um, we're pretty good at welcoming people to our churches. We have, you know, the greeters and all those people. But what about welcoming people into your own home or into your own life? What about being hospitable to the point where people feel like you're actually a safe place to come to? So Jesus was amazing. He was a safe place. In fact, it says in the Bible very clearly that the sinners, that people labeled sinners, they actually were attracted to Jesus. They actually wanted to hang out with him. And everywhere else in the New Testament, wherever Jesus goes, these people that are totally lost are showing up and want to be near him. It's interesting that Christians don't seem to have the same effect on, on non-Christians.
0: That's not, and we can't be carte blanche on that. There are obviously a ton of Christians out there yeah. that are attractive, but this is That's something good. that we can all really work on. And Mar- the only reason I say that out loud really quick is before Martha starts calling me and going, hey, yeah, yeah. you're being glass half empty. <laughs> don't don't be glass well, half empty.
1: I know, and, and I and I sometimes overstate things cause I know there's a lot of amazing Christians out there, but I just, you know, the art of welcoming is just about, you know, basically opening yourself up to your community. So, like, there's people that have Taking this kind of these this training, and they've decided to have like a first Friday night at their house. They call it First Friday, and they have serve pizza and invite all their neighbors over, and they hang out with them for the whole night. And they get to know all their neighbors. Um, other people have had you know bonfires in the backyard. They do it every second Saturday of the month. They call it Second Saturday, and they have them all over. My wife and I do First Friday. We have an ice rink in our yard during the winter. And we invite our neighbors over to skate and try to hang out and just get to know our neighbors and invite them into our home, and just kind of be the the house that throws the the social events. You know. So many people in our communities are disconnected from each other. We could be the connectors. That's a really good thing to do.
0: And and it's so true that Jesus was so good at that. People were attracted to Jesus from all, I mean, look at him. Zacchaeus climbed up a tree so he could see him, and Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Matthew was attracted to him. He was a tax collector. I mean, the religious people were attracted. Nicodemus, of course, he came at night, but he was attracted. Yep. He was like, there's something about yep. this guy. Got to find out more about him. I mean, people from very odd places uh, were attracted to him, and, and we can still be attractive to people, but it does take some work, and obviously it takes some more molding into being looked more like Jesus so people are attracted to us. But all right, so the art of welcoming, very, very important. What about the art of loving?
1: Well, the art of loving really, I mean, it encompasses a lot of these, right? I mean, if you have a loving lifestyle or a, a lifestyle that really uh, loves other people, then you'll, you're going to pay attention to them, and you're going to pray for them, you're going to listen and ask questions and welcome them, and you're going to be... You know, just willing to to bend over backwards to wash their feet. You know, that was Jesus' thing, right? Pick up a towel and engage people. Serve them. Love them. Demonstrate to people with your hands and feet that God really cares about them. So I love the art of loving because it, like, helps us to demonstrate to people that might think that God's left them that he's still there. And through our hands and feet, we can be the hands and feet of Jesus and help them understand that God still cares about them.
0: And that is so true. We are supposed to, We, we many times say on the show, you know, that our workplace is our mission field. And in that mission field, you and me yep. may be the only Jesus our co-workers and employees may ever meet. And that love is what they're looking for. They're looking for genuine. They're looking for real. They're looking for vulnerable. They're looking for intentionality. They're looking for, show me that God is touchable. And we are exactly. that, we're that touchable exactly. person, Yep. But, but it takes, but it takes being willing to step out. But that's, that's why you said, you said, even for the introverts, those first three arts, noticing and prayer and listening, don't take any words, but those are things that everybody can do. And when you do those things and people see that you really care, you will, it will start opening up conversations for you to be able to demonstrate love to these people when they're hurting. That's part of that exactly. noticing thing. Yeah. Jeff, yep. we're, we're well, almost out of time. Give one more yep. plug for Q Place and what's going on on 4-3. Well,
1: uh, I would just encourage anyone who's curious about a group like this or getting involved in starting a group like this, maybe you feel God calling you to get involved and in, in reaching out to your neighbors, but you don't know how to do it. We would love to equip you. Um, and so on, on April the 3rd, those classes will start. If you go to that uh, online, QPlace.com, right in the front page, you can sign up for coaching. You'll be contacted by somebody from Q Place, and we'll get you hooked up with how to do this and, and be part of being trained to actually engage your neighbors in gospel conversations.
0: Jeff Klein with QPlace.com. Thanks so much for blessing us here on Room with an incredible conversation. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Jim. It was great to be on.
0: Thanks for having me. It was great. You bet. All right, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, make sure you check out QPlace.com. Get your own copy of The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations. This is a must-read for every Christ follower. Learn how to be intentional in engaging people in spiritual conversations. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field, but ultimately, I work for Him.